Hello everyone and welcome to Minute 4, which is also episode 500 of... Ta-da! And so this is Minute 4 of Season 5 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1999 Rennie Harlan-directed and Bruce Willis-acted action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob. And once again, joining me for this inaugural week and this 500th episode, who actually was also on the 400th episode, uh, randomly, seriously, it's not, it was not on purpose, is my good friend Jay Cluett from Deep Blue Sea Pod and the Con Air Pod. So welcome back to the show, Jay. Thrilled to be here for the momentous minutes. Yeah, 500. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that I've done so many of these. You know, and and it's within two years. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the crazy part of it all. Actually, what's not crazy years? about doing a minute by minute uh, podcast? Yes, it's two years. My first okay. episode yeah. went uh, went live on July third, twenty twenty one, and right now we're in the middle of May. So we're you know yeah. we're, we still have another almost two months till I hit my my uh, my two year uh, anniversary of doing this. Okay, so yeah. But 500 episodes, uh, it's it's been fun getting here, and you know, let's hope we can you know get to the next milestone 500 episodes away. I'm sure you could. You try and pick films to orchestrate me being on the thousandth episode. No, 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 no. Sorry. That I can't. That I can't guarantee. Uh, we'll have we'll have to wait and see. That that's just the way. I mean, I can have you on that episode if you want. <laughs> but again, we're talking two years from now, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Let's let the fates decide. Exactly. Again, this this wasn't planned. I remember when we did the 400th episode as the first episode of When Harry Met Sally, you were the one who pointed out that you would also be on the 500th episode. Because I didn't even think about the fact that there were 96 episodes and then you had another four. But you see, even in this uh, season, we're going to cross the 600 episode threshold uh, towards towards the end. We'll have you know 24 episodes uh, change afterwards. You know to to move along yeah. towards the, the 700th. So, yeah. But yeah, it's actually, no, sorry. We will have 20 episodes in change, not 24, because this is the fourth episode. So, yeah. Yes. So, episode four begins with the exposition of the news report continuing and ends with a shot from behind of a man carrying a present, or men carrying presents. There's a whole bunch of them. So yesterday we we ended things with uh, our, the introduction of Colonel Stewart, who is uh, doing Tai Chi, only clothed with a uh, watch and a ring, as Jay pointed out. So he's not really naked. Uh, he was described in, in in the script as being half naked. That's correct. So well, that well, you did mention the fact <laughs> that that William Sadler didn't know that he was supposed to be doing it naked, so he probably thought he was going to be doing it in boxer shorts or something like that, and. Then someone came up with a great idea that, hey, why don't you just, you know, do it with nothing on? And he did. And Rennie Harlan strategically uh, uh, filmed the shot that you can tell that he's naked, but you can't really tell he's naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's some posterior in there. Uh, some, okay, yeah. and, uh, you know. Careful, careful angle. That's correct. That's correct. So the uh, yesterday we ended things with the news report. So the news report continues, and we actually see video footage 
that shows, you know, Esperanza and also Colonel Stewart, you know, signing a treaty of some sort. And then, you know, he continues with his Tai Chi as this is going on, you know, and, and we, the, the dialogue continues from the TV saying with, with supplying him with weapons, despite the congressional ban. Evidence that Esperanza's forces violated the neutrality of neighboring countries made Congress withhold funds. Esperanza is accused of replacing the funds by cocaine smuggling. And then we hear the beeping of a watch. Although Esperanza was removed as commander-in-chief this year, the agreement to extradite him was only reached yesterday. And as this is happening, we see Colonel Stewart turn and he walks away and he walks to a, a closet where he starts taking out clothes. And then he puts a suit on the bed and we see him pick up the remote control as things are continuing to be to be discussed or explained to us on the TV. And we see him like slowly pick it up. And they said the agreement to extradite him was only reached yesterday. Washington insiders say a phone call made it happen. A phone call from a and then he basically picks up a, he he points the the remote control like a gun and turns off the TV. So we don't get to hear. It's the most aggressive TV remote use. Yes, that is true. And I love it. That is very true. And so I, I, I think it'd be, it would be less aggressive to throw the remote into the TV screen and break it yes. that way. Somehow. That's true. That's true. Now, who do you think I'm, I'm going to be able to answer this question when, when we get to the segment about the, the script, but who do you think they're saying this phone call came from? Like, what is your guess? It's, it's always made me very curious every time I've seen this movie where they say, you know, a phone call made it happen, a phone call from, and then, you know, he turns it off so that we never find out who that phone call is from. You have any guess? I, here's the thing. All of the expeditions delivered from that TV, scene, TV screen news article, I don't care about a single second of it. Uh, all, I, all I care about, this is like beyond the expedition that I need. All I need to know is there's a guy that's coming on a plane these guys want him, and McLean doesn't want them to have him. That's I don't care why. I just know these are the bad guys. That's the good guy. And so, whilst I've uh, watched this film several times, I've watched these minutes a few times uh, in preparation for this. I just listened to you read out the exposition. I have no idea yeah. what any of it was. I didn't. Think, I cannot take any of this exposition in. It doesn't make. It doesn't mean anything. To me. <laughs> so, where the phone call came from, I don't know. Inside the house. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. I understand. Uh, you know, no, but also because because you're not American, so you don't understand. You, you've you've never really thought about what the Iron Contra uh, stuff was and what happened with Noriega and stuff like that. So, okay, I can understand why you wouldn't. Uh... I I don't mean to belittle it. No, I, 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 I mean first of all, you're 100 percent right that it ma- that it makes little difference. You know, that's not going to be what's going to change the the way the, the this plot moves along or anything like that. The reason they used it was because it was very timely. You know, Noriega and Panama happened right. okay. in 1989, um, or maybe it was 88. Now that I'm thinking about it, because it's it's very strange. Because I would think if it happened in 89, that means it was happening while they were um, while they were filming. So uh, I don't know. That 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 because I remember it was like around uh, it was December '89. Yeah, that's even stranger. How they would maybe they maybe they knew at the time that something was going to be happening. 
Hmm. That that makes it really even stranger. Um, because I mean, it is in the script. It's not like it's something that that you know the the if the script that I have is dated in November, so they wouldn't necessarily have known that information uh, beforehand. Because the invasion began on December twentieth, nineteen eighty nine. So, hmm. I mean, the the Iran Contra happened beforehand. That that it did. So that I can understand how they can fit that in there. But to to compare this to Noriega, hmm, that, that that's something I'm going to have to look a little bit into because it doesn't doesn't make a hundred percent sense that this is the way they would do it. Hmm. Okay, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm aware of the can. It's just very very interesting that <laughs> you know I mean you have stuff that that happened with Noriega beforehand, but the invasion only happened then. Um, I mean, there was a coup attempt on October 3rd, but that also doesn't really help here. Um, there was a lot of training exercises nearby. Maybe they knew that there was going to be, you know, a, a an invasion at some point. I don't know. Okay. Oh, well, that, that's why we don't talk about the politics here. You know, we, we, <laughs> we're dealing with the fact that the, the plot, I just find it interesting that, that they sort of knew about things before they happened. You know, maybe Steven D'Souza was, was somehow connected. I don't know. He was working behind the scenes. So they, they mentioned, well, we see that he has a remote control, right? So a remote control is also known as a clicker or a just as a remote. Okay. Do you know when they started creating remote controls for TVs? My guess would be the. It actually goes all the way back to the 50s. Okay, they had remote controls in 1956 that oh, they would enough. use ultrasonic tones. Nowadays they use infrared, but back then they were they were using that. Um, you know, now sometimes you have Bluetooth, sometimes Wi-Fi, uh, motion sensors, voice control. You have a whole bunch of different options and stuff like that. Um, I mean, they started with wireless stuff years and years before. In the 1870s, there was already uh, wireless radios and stuff like that. So, you know, it was something that, you know, Tesla was actually very uh, in, integral to that. You know, Nikola Tesla, I'm assuming you've heard of who that is. Yep. Uh, in 1898, he already had things uh, that yes, were, yes. they were able to, to, to deal with uh, radio controlled. You know, they were able to control things via radio, not necessarily remote control. Um, the first remote-controlled model airplane was flown in 1932. You know, and uh, during World War II, obviously, they they intensifies the use of that because you know being able to use remote things works works a little better when you're in the middle of a war. It, it certainly helps. Yes. Yeah. So Zenith uh, Radio Corporation uh, developed the first ones, and the first remote was called the Lazy Bones. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, and then the, the next one was. Oh, That's right. And and back then, think about how many channels they had. You know, it's not like today where you have hundreds of channels. Yeah. Oh, dear. You know, back then, oh, I, I have to change the channel because there's three stations. I don't know. <laughs> Life would be so much um, different then they, now without TV remotes, I think. Yes. Yes. Um, then they had what was known as a Flashmatic. And then a in 1956, someone named Robert Adler developed a Zenith Space Command, which was a wireless remote. 
and it was mechanical and it used ultrasound to change the channel and the volume. Um, and, but it sounded, it was called a clicker because it made a clicking sound. I remember that, that, I mean, this was in the eighties already, but I remember my grandfather, my grandparents had a clicker that really, when you press the buttons, you'd hear a large clicking sound each time you'd hear huge to be click, click, click. And you had to push it each time, you know, in order to change the volume, change the channel, all that stuff. Uh, you know, and at some point they, they changed it and you know, in the 1970s, RCA introduced an all electronic remote control. And then they had another one that was called the blab off, which would, uh, was able to just turn the TV sound on and off. And, uh, the, in the 1980s, Steve Wozniak created a company that was called CL9. And they wanted to create a remote control that could operate multiple electronic devices at the same time. And the, the, the unit that they used was, was the core unit, which was the controller of remote equipment. And they were able to actually, uh, you know, debut that in 1987. You know, nowadays things have gotten completely out of control because that's what our phones do. <laughs> our phones yeah. do everything. You can, yeah, you can reprogram a phone to control everything in your house. Right. Well, cause the whole idea is, is that instead of having 10 different remote controls for things, you just have one. Yeah. You know, because you can have a remote control for the TV and a remote control for the DVD and a remote control for the VCR and a remote control for the, the air conditioning and a remote control, uh, I don't know, there, there's just the too many of them. The lights, that's right. Well, the lights, you can just clap, right? You clap that's on true. and off. Yeah. Actually, you can probably put a clapper on anything, couldn't you? Can you, you put a clapper yeah, on the TV? A, you can. I think you can get like a plug in like a, that goes into the wall for a clapper. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I, I don't think you can change the the... the the sound that way, it's just turning it on or off. You can't really, that, I mean, you have to like totally clap a certain way. You have to clap a certain way in order for it to go to the next channel. <laughs> yep. Like three claps goes up one, four claps goes down one. Uh, it'd be like Morse code eventually, wouldn't it? <laughs> clap, clap, More or less. Yeah. Clap. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I, I can understand why, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't work so well. <laughs> And then the, the, the shot changes, and we once again hear the beeping of a beeper. And we, we get to see, uh, we're back with John. You know, he's standing near a public phone booth at the airport. There are tons of people waiting to get on the phone. And we see that as the beeper goes off, he's getting agitated, and he goes, all right, all right. If I can find a phone, I'd call you whoever you are. Now, that, asks, that makes me ask a question. Why does he feel that it's so urgent for him to call this number back? Because it's, it keeps beeping him, my guess is. Like, it's done it once, and it's, it's probably doing it several times. Yeah, but, I mean, he, he's, he, here he is in the airport. Isn't the, isn't the point? He's got a beeper. He's got a number that he doesn't know what it is. I mean, nowadays, if you, if you get an unknown caller, are you going to answer the phone? I, I mean, I, I tend to, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't hang around long if I if I know that it's not someone I know. Uh, but as I understand, I've never had to use a beeper there from a distant time. Uh, but I believe that the point was that someone you you contact a beeper if it's an emergency, and then you call them back. From when I've seen them in films or TV shows, that's been what they're for. They're for people don't tend to have a beeper for non-emergent or non-urgent. No, but the the idea. Well, know. think about it. This was a time before cell phones. So, you know, 
So yeah. it's a question of someone needing to get in touch with you. It's not a question of whether it's urgent or not. It's that I need to get in touch with you. You know, where is John? Where is where is where is Jay? You know, where's Rob? I don't know. That's so. So you put in the number. Obviously, you're expecting it to be something of somewhat of an importance that they're doing it. But I don't know. Well, that's. I mean, you've in, in that description. I would say you've expressed extreme urgency. They need to get in, in contact you. They're trying to find you. They need to know. They need you to contact right. them. That means it, it needs to happen. And you know, he he's there to meet Holly. Yeah, but he's not going to think for a second that, that Holly's the one who's going to be calling him. You know, we'll we'll get there tomorrow. But he, but it could be, but okay, well, it could it could be something. Somebody else could have heard from her. He could, someone else had my information. I don't know. He's not, he's a police officer. Um, maybe it's something to do with a case. Oh, okay. So you mean it's it's uh, you know, Al Powell was calling him and saying, by the way, you know that that guy that you were trying to. Yeah. Uh, deal with you know that uh, l- lack of information, that sense of unknowing is urgency. Like what? This could be anything. This could be urgent. Yeah. There's no, there's no way of letting right. you know that it is more urgent than it is. Uh, right. Okay, that's fair. And as John is standing there waiting for the phone, you know, it's 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 quite funny. You know, you see that there are tons of people waiting for for pay phones, and there is like a guy standing there. If you look at uh, second thirty six. There's a guy in a hat carrying yep. a package that is basically staring at this woman um, as, you know, she's she's smiling back at him while she's on the phone. Yes. You know, it looks like they're just wasting time. I, she, I think she's you on know? the phone. I, I, I hope they know each other. I hope they're, they're a couple. Right, she's holding the phone. <laughs> I, I should hope so, too. Uh, but, they I mean, the, the presence that everyone has in this film, that even later on we're going to see in, in, this, in this minute, is so beautifully wrapped. Yes, it's so much more effort and care has been put into these than I can, I could do with any presents. I'm a pretty rudimentary present wrapper. No, but is it, it gets covered is, in paper? Does everyone wrap their own yeah. presents, or you when you buy it in a store, you ask them to wrap it for you, don't you? I have never done that. Oh, okay. Is that what most people do? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely in, don't know. I never, family. I've never bought a Christmas present, so I don't know how you know. I, but but do you do you wrap birthday presents or anything? Sometimes. No, in the store you ask them to wrap it. Presents. Store. When I buy presents for my kids and stuff like that, I ask them to wrap it in the store. I have never. You know, obviously it's not going to be as extravagant as this. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be something with this huge bow and stuff like that. You know, they now they just put like one of those sticky bows on. Yeah. I've, I've never uh, given someone a present I didn't wrap. So I, <laughs> I don't know about. I've never. Okay. Had, All right. That's uh, fair. That's that 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 is very commendable, Jay. I, I mean, I, I think I, I would have thought that was standard. I don't know. The, I, whenever I bought something, I, I don't yeah, know. We don't. We do different things. Whenever I mean, whenever I have I have bought things in shops before, I think I have had the option like jumping to gift wrap. And I've always found it quite an odd question. Well, no, because I have wrapping paper. You sell wrapping paper. I'm gonna no. <laughs> I've always found it an odd thing that they would offer to do. Like, I mean, in and you're saying everyone in your family that's the yeah, way they always yeah, did absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Eve, my dad would always stay up and wrap wrap the presents uh, for everyone. That, that he and my mom were giving out. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So in other words, as a kid, you were you were taught how to wrap properly presents. Yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you go. See, I, I I wouldn't know how to wrap it properly, so you know, I might as well have someone at the store do it that that's getting paid to do it and knows that. Fair do enough. It. So yeah. <laughs> I was just just admiring but, how I mean, the point... this present is. 
There you go. I, I, I completely agree with you. It is, it is wrapped very beautifully. And you can see another present right behind him, you know, under his arm, uh, you know, in the next stall that, that the guy, I don't know how anyone has any privacy when they're trying to talk that way. But I, I think you know, it's very strange. I, I think these presents, uh, they, they brought somebody in that's like a professional present wrapper was commissioned to wrap these presents for these films. I think I heard Rennie Harlan say uh, at some point. So that, that's how like prices on these films go up. Like how, how this one's expensive. We talked about already for the fake snow and everything. But I've been like thinking a lot about like Sam Raimi films recently and how the Evil Dead films are quite like, a solo budget. There's still so much in them, just because everyone on set just kind of mucks in and does does a bit more work. Whereas on these big Hollywood productions, you're like, oh no, we'll, we'll bring somebody in to wrap the presents. Like, it's not a case of, oh, William Sadler, you're not doing anything at the moment. Can you wrap the presents for us? Um, it's not like with The Great Escape, where everyone has to make the fake barbed wire. Exactly. You know, every moment that you have free. Yes, exactly. Okay, I can I can understand that. I can understand that. But I mean, the point here is to show us how crowded the airport is. And how crowded the phones, the phone booths are. Yeah. You know, and and John is nowhere close to being uh, uh, to, to to having someone get off the phone. Yeah. And then the shot changes again. We see the the outside of a door, uh, presumably a door in a hotel or motel, and there's a sign that says "Do not disturb." Okay. So, do you know what Make the it name in progress? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you know the name of that thing that's put on the door? There is a name for it. Uh, I call it a door hanger. There you go. That's right. Yeah. It is a door hanger. Uh, that is a plastic or cardboard sign, generally rectangular in shape, cut to hang from the handle of the knob of a door. They are sometimes used to distribute print advertisements to residents, but door hangers are mostly seen in hotels or other places of lodging as a means for guests to communicate with maintenance and housekeeping staff. It's funny that they say it that way. <laughs> it's basically bother me or don't bother me. That's what it comes yeah. down to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's to make up the room or not make up the room. Yeah, that's right. People want, uh, you know, to respect their privacy. Exactly. Um, you know, and, uh, so, I mean, one of one of the problems with a do not disturb sign on the door, um, many times it's uh, been used to conceal uh, a homicide or suspicious death or other criminal activity. Many times. Okay. That's what it says here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Fine. Okay. Um, apparently, there was an elderly couple that disappeared once on a cruise ship in 2009 that no one knew that they were missing because they had a do not disturb on the, the door. Um, a, in 2017, a man named Stephen Paddock, who was a mass murderer, he kept a do not disturb sign on his hotel room door, and which concealed 10 suitcases with a stockpile of rifles and ammunition that he uh, later used in the, uh, the Las Vegas shooting in 2017. Uh, so... Yeah, it, it could be a, uh, it could be problematic. I, I understand that, but on the other hand, you know, when you look at it from the perspective of someone who is who's not doing anything criminal, you just don't want to be bothered. You want to be able to sleep in. Exactly. You know, yeah. that's what it comes down to. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. 
maybe the uh, the cleaning staff could keep track of how, like how how for how many days in a row there is a do not disturb sign on this door. Perhaps it could be, but well, but again, that's that's not a guarantee either because someone could be there for one day or just for a few hours and 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 uh, you know do something criminal if they want. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the if there is a dead body behind it, like after a week, maybe check the room. Yes. Uh, that's probably well. You'll probably start smelling something at that point. I would hope so. Yeah. So at this point, uh, you know, the door opens and we see Colonel Stewart exit the room. And then as he's walking down the the hallway, he's joined by other men. There are seven goons. other men. That's right. Seven other goons that uh, that join him. And as he's walking, more and more keep keep uh, joining him along the way. So we we get an idea. Of how many? I mean, we'll know tomorrow how many goons there actually are. Uh, but today we just see numerous people from behind, so you can't really can't really tell in this minute how many of uh, you know who who most of them are. I mean, some of the actors. Robert Patrick. That's right. You can see Robert Patrick. You can see uh, Don Harvey. Um, you can see uh, Von D. Curtis Hall. We do not see uh, John DeGuzziano. No, Johnny Legs not. Hey, hey, maybe he's the one all the way in the back as the minute is closing. It's very possible because he is shorter than the rest. So it is possible. Uh, all, all the people I mentioned right now yeah, are maybe. also people that I reached out to. Still waiting for responses from John Leguizamo, Vondi Curtis Hall, Robert Patrick, um, uh, who else? Uh, Don Harvey. So hopefully one of them will, will, will respond at some point and I'll be able to talk to one of them. About uh, you know how it was walking walking in the hallway carrying carrying a fake present yeah. that has a fake gun. Leguizamo didn't get a lot to do in the film. He had a, he had some lines taken yes. away from him, I think. So uh, good good luck good luck. Who knows? You never know. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, it's the ball's in his court. Sure, if yeah. he wants to, uh, I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to him. Yeah, that type of thing. All right, you have anything else you want to say before we get into the script? Uh, no. Okay, so the script um, has it. It says uh, it talks about the fact that while he's doing uh, uh, his exercises, and his Hewer chronometer uh, begins to beep an alarm. Uh, I guess that's a type of watch. It says the man uncoils, composes himself, and goes to the closets. And I mean the the dial the dialogue from the newscaster is slightly different. It says, but mounting evidence that Esperanza's forces violated the neutrality of neighboring countries make Congress withhold funds. Funds which Esperanza is accused of replacing by going to the lucrative business of cocaine smuggling. And then it says, you know, he takes out a top coat, a suit, shirt, and tie, lays it on the uh, lays it on the bed, and then he has a, a one package of distinctive Christmas wrap. And then it says, puts on a shirt. In in the pocket is a pen, the same pen we just saw on TV. If we haven't realized it yet, we realize it now. This is the same man. <laughs> I find it funny that they have to, you know, talk that out to us. And then they have the same right. face. And as we walk, as we have them walk down the, and they don't have the point here with John uh, waiting for the phone call. And then, you know, as they're they're walking down the corridor, it says, and now we see them. Ten more tall, hard men, all coming into the hallway from their adjourning rooms within seconds of each other, all carrying similar gift-wrapped packages. So one of the things that I found really interesting is, is that they don't mention it now, 
but it, it only comes comes out later on on uh, uh, in the script. It comes out next week, basically. But the the line uh, on the TV that we heard about that he was removed as commander in chief. So that only appears uh, basically three pages from now on the script. But because this is the dialogue mentioned here, I forget I would talk about it. So it says as Esperanza was removed as commander in chief earlier this year, the agreement to extradite him was not reached until yesterday. And Washington's insiders say it was was a phone call that made it happen. A phone call from an angry American president. So, you know, it 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 makes it. I mean, I understand why they they kept it out because it's it's better than it makes it a little more ambiguous. But the idea that that you know the only reason that this extradition went through was because the president uh, made the phone call. So I I like that added touch because as I said earlier in this minute, it's something that I've been wondering for years. You know, who made this phone call? So knowing that the president is a little bit anticlimactic. But well, I mean, they, still. They, wait, you don't know that's the sitting president. They say an angry American president. You're, you're still referred to as the president even after you are no longer president, I believe. So it could have been Jimmy Carter. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. It is possible. Uh, but my assumption is that they're talking about the sitting president. I, I could be wrong. Was I could be wrong. HW never... at the time? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. He had just he just became president also. He he Reagan ended his presidency at the beginning of January eighty nine. So he's less than a year uh as president. There we go. So yeah. Okay. All right. So every Thursday we have a segment called Aviation Thursday, where my guests will give their top five airplane slash airport films. So anything that's somehow related to an airplane or an airport, I know that this list is going to be a very long one at the end when, when we get to tallying them up like we do every season. But but then again, I think every one, every season, we've had one of them, which is completely goes out of bounds. And it doesn't matter, you know, like when you do the, the Billy Crystal and, and Meg Ryan and or when you're using, when you're doing um, Rickman new specific people. The, Alan Rickman, Steve Martin, John Candy. So you're you're somewhat limited in in the people's top fives. But when you deal with a a very large genre, I think we had like seventy things for the Die Hard uh, doppelganger, even more for rom-coms, something like that. And and for rom coms, we 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 had even more than that. Yeah, I think so, if I remember correctly. We we had tons for the rom coms. Um, no, it was also around seventy. More or less. Okay. Uh, if I but that's over few, fewer minutes so, yeah, and fewer guests. Still, so. yeah. Yes, that's true. That's very true. So in this time, we'll, we're going to keep that uh, you know opened up for <laughs> uh, different airplane or airport films. So Jay, what okay, do you so got? I tried to stick with films that took place almost entirely in an airplane or airport. So otherwise, we would have had like Fire Nation, one of my favorite. I love that film, but it's only like one scene on an airplane, so I didn't count that kind of thing. Uh, so what movie? Fire Nation. The first one? Oh, Final Destination. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said Father or something. I couldn't understand. Okay. Uh, so whenever I find Up in the Air, I uh, really liked Up in the Air. George Clooney's on a plane a lot in that film. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, Sam Elliott's little cameo as the pilot at the end is great. Uh, number four. Yeah, but it's not It's not really a, not really a you know, feel-good movie. No, it's not, but, yeah. but it's got some <laughs> very good scenes in it. Uh, I love the cameos. The cameos are great. It is a too. very well-made film, yeah. Uh, number four, uh, completely different film, Snakes on a Plane. Uh, 
I understand. Not a great film, but I, I find it to be incredibly fun. Uh, number three. Yeah, we, we had a good time talking about that on, on the Lambcast. We did, yes. Uh, number three, speaking of a Lambcast show, I loved the airport franchise. I'm not picking a franchise, don't worry. Um, but I've only seen all of those films once a piece. I really liked them. had a wonderful time talking about them with some great friends over the Lambcast episode. Uh, but I'm going to pick Airport 77 as the one in really? memory that sticks out. Is that the one underwater? That's the one underwater. Yes. Uh, with, yes. I think Jimmy okay. Stewart's in that one and Christopher Lee. And they're all, all four of those films are excellent in their own way, but 77 is one that kind of stands out to me. Uh, okay. Number two, Airplane! Exclamation mark. I don't need to say anything more about Airplane. It's a great film. It's a, it's a wonderful classic. And my number one film that takes place from hmm. an airplane. What could it be? Deep Blue City, right? Just, I'm just trying to think if there's a film that I've covered scene by scene. This Conair is such a fun <laughs> film. I love it so much. It's a podcast all about it. Uh, so this cannot be a surprise. This is my number one. No, not I a surprise. Hope, I would hope this makes the communion of top five at the end of the year. But we uh, shall it see. depends. It depends on how many of my guests have been on your show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. So we'll we'll have to wait and see about that. I'm assuming that Mark will have it very high up if he I don't if know. he doesn't it's if not... he doesn't go completely esoteric like usual. I would be I'd be surprised if it's in his top five. We shall see. We shall All see. Right. That's true. All right, great. Thank you very much for that, Jay. So Jay, you wanna once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Well, speaking of Connor, uh, I host Connor the podcast, which can be found everywhere. That's uh all good and great podcasts about Conair can be found where Mark and I are going through scene by scene the wonderful film that is Conair. Uh, so this is coming out in May. We won't have finished yet. We'll, we'll still have, I think, five or six weeks worth of episodes to come out when this show comes out. I'm worried about that. Uh, Rob joined us for a, a chapter a, a few months ago. It was a fun time. Yes, it was. And I'm sure many of your other guests you have on this season and previous seasons have been on as well. Well, it's because we're, we're, we're a relatively small community, so you know. Yes, we're we're sampling from the same pool often. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right, great. And why are you why you're doing that? You can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. And finding me is quite simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So. Uh, Jay, feel like come back tomorrow to finishing off the, this, this inaugural week, even though we're sure. really beyond 500 episodes. Fine. Yeah, well, we've got to start start the count for the next 500. So yes, I'd be happy to come back tomorrow. All right, great. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay! Yippee ki yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air. Quaint little villages here.